Hello. Hello. Um, oh, it's good to be back having another crypto conversation with you. Yeah. Um, and today we're going to be talking about fiat uh, and fiat currencies. So for anyone who doesn't know that it's spelt F-I-A-T. Um, <laughs> I think when I first heard it, I was like, what is this? Um, actually, well, we're going to talk about that. Um, but where yeah. did you, yeah, what did you kind of come up with when we were thinking about talking about fiat? Well, you know, when I first got into crypto, um, I knew the term Bitcoin before I knew the term fiat. I was like, everybody was talking about fiat. Like, what is that? And it it was so funny that it, I mean, now it seems like, oh, that's a basic term. That's money. That's, and, you know, we're going to unpack that a little bit more, but it's funny how I had no, I, I had never heard that term before. You know, that's how removed that I was with, um, <laughs> oh, excuse me, <laughs> with money and uh, investing and the whole economic system. So I think uh, just starting the research on what fiat was, what the term meant, really got me into sort of the deeper, uh, well, a little bit deeper for me, a story of uh, fiat and currency and money. Yeah, which I'm excited to explore today with you because, yeah, we don't really know what the other person's bringing. So we just decided yeah. on this topic. <laughs> like, so what... Oh. What does fiat mean to you? I mean, did you know about fiat, the term fiat before you got into crypto or did that bring it up for you? What's really weird is that I did, so I did my master's in law, which I think I've spoken about before. And um, I kind of was interested in bringing in economics and sociology and politics. And yet, and so I, I you know, I kind of I would look at capitalism and I would talk, you know, we would, I would sort of think about these big concepts about the economy and somehow maybe I read it somewhere, but it totally evaded me. I also, when I first heard it, I didn't know what anyone was talking about. And it really, and I think that's something about learning Bitcoin, about Bitcoin or learning about crypto, how much you learn about our economy. And I couldn't believe that I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know about it because it's like it's it's so it's it's basically what we all have now and I actually didn't really realize that um the American dollar you know like how long it hadn't been backed by gold and what annoyed me was just like how we aren't really told this you know how we're not this isn't part of um education that we just don't understand our yeah. own currency our own system of money so yeah I was I really learned so much about the kind of the ins and outs of like present day uh economic policy like what we you know what we use around, around money because of bitcoin um yeah I mean when I talk to my neighbors about crypto and try to sort of share my love of it they're always their comeback is well it's not backed by anything, you know? And I'm like, neither is the dollar. Yeah. And most of them are still thinking that the dollar is backed by gold. Yeah. You know, that's how uneducated or like, it's like the information is kept from us. Completely. And that's very disheartening. <laughs> and it's, 
you know, it's totally, I think it's totally deliberate. And that's kind of the piece that I wanted to talk about was around, you know, value and consent. Um, because why would it be kept, you know, because then we could, you know, it's because basically it's a, it's a subjective form of value. Um, yeah. It's not sort of real. And so the more that they kind of, if they were going to really sort of specify that people would be like, hold on, what am I using? What do you mean that this isn't, you know, backed by gold or it doesn't have any kind of um, commodity behind it. It's just printed money. You know, it's just, I think that people would start to question it. So they just don't, they take it out of public awareness. Um, so maybe we should. So start. how would you, <laughs> what this? Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Oh, no, what do you want to say what it is? Oh, I wanted to say, well, so how do you define fiat? What's the definition? So how I would define fiat is a currency that is not backed by any commodity. So, for example, it's not backed by gold or silver um, and it's government issued. So, for example, you could have a coin or a piece of paper that is stamped by the government and is issued by the government as and they say okay this is now a form of currency this is a form of money so that's sort of that's how I would describe it yeah and how would you oh I should be saying... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I have nothing to add to that definition um so maybe to give a little bit of history which I think you're going to do a bit of history but just um how money was was a form of um a form of like legal tender so it's basically a commodity that people pass as a form of exchange so without having to pass the physical thing that you want to exchange like a cow and a chicken you know you you have a medium of exchange and that medium of exchange could be anything oh but i'm going to start i've got this on my notes but aristotle uh, said that he defined characteristics, four characteristics of a the best kind of commodity as a form of exchange or a medium of exchange. And he said, um, in order for it to be used as money, so one, it needs to be divisible. So obviously, you know, having a massive lump of something, um, and you know, if he had a massive, I don't know, lump of gold. And you couldn't break it down. It was as big as that. And you needed a, you know, you needed to buy a loaf of bread. It's a completely pointless form of money if you can't devise it uh, or like make it divisible. That was probably a bad explanation. <laughs> but the first is divisible. So you can break that money down into smaller accounts or units. Two, it needs to be durable. So having mm -hmm. something like um, blueberries as a currency would be terrible because you might have loads of them and you'd be like, oh, I'm so rich. And then they degrade over time and suddenly you have more money left. It doesn't <laughs> last. <laughs> um, three, it needs to be portable. So you need to be able to transport it around um, because obviously if you want to buy something from somewhere further distance, you need to be able to carry this money with you. The fourth is it needs to be scarce. So that is rare. Or valuable the reason for that is that obviously if you have something that is like easily replicated then it loses all sense of value it's not something that you know people could just create loads of it and so it doesn't hold value anymore um which is what's needed for it to be a, a store of value in a way so in the past the best form of money that people came up with was 
kind of metals like gold and silver because they were durable. Um, but gold ultimately won that race. So it satisfied all of those things. It was divisible, durable, portable, and scarce. Um, and so that's why gold became the medium of um, exchange. It became the, the best form of money. Um, and so what the government did was instead of actually exchanging gold, it created banknotes uh, that were backed by gold. So instead of having to pass gold around the place, um, they created notes and they were basically like IOUs. So if the, the, the bank had, um, I don't know, five million in gold, they created five million dollars worth of notes and then would distribute those. Um, and so those dollar notes were backed by gold. Um, and I can sort of stop there. Do you know, do you, did you want to give some about the history of when that separation? Yeah, I mean, for me, when I did did my little research just to satisfy my sense of gold and money, um, what, so how I understood it, which is along those lines, just from a little different perspective, is that, um, so the Egyptians apparently first started with using gold as a, as a way to exchange value mm -hmm. um and but the thing was they were they hadn't created the coins yet so they had like a piece of gold that was like this then they had a piece of gold that was like this so it was hard to say that this has the same value of this even though this has more paintings on it it's heavier you know so there was there was a challenge there with using the gold but then they made it uh divisible so they had like you know let's say the dollar's worth of coin then the quarter coin the penny coin but all in gold basically gold kind of won the money race in being yeah. the most kind of <laughs> effective form of storing value um but then have you done the research around um what happened with the in with the, the US standard? dollar yeah like how, yeah when, okay do you want to yeah do you again very sort of on a sort of yeah a superficial <laughs> level um so I guess I mean during the depression the U.S. needed to uh print more money in order to get the economy through that depression but at that time it was still backed by gold. And so they needed more gold. The government made it illegal for the US citizens to hold gold. Mm -hmm. And they were forcing them to then go bring the gold to the government and they would pay for it, but you know, hardly anything. So they would exchange, you know, a dollar bill for a piece of gold. And so, but then by the time they finished this project, they realized there wasn't enough gold, even after all the citizens gave up their gold to the government to back the amount of money they needed to print. So, um, oh, <laughs> I'm blanking. So, yeah, so then, and so what happened then was the dollar was still backed by gold, but they still didn't have enough. So it became only 25% backed by gold. And all the other currencies from around the world were then pegged to the dollar. 
And this then came to a head. There was, I think they realized there just wasn't enough gold to back dollar. So then I think, when was it? I have it. Uh, President Nixon in 1971 then changed all that. And he said that the dollar is no longer backed by gold. And it's basically, you know, it's backed by trust in the government. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, that's that's my story. That's how I understood it under sort of a brief sense of what was what happened. And I wish they had taught me this in grade school or high school, you know, or college. Yeah. <laughs> any at any point. I know. At any point. I mean, yeah. it's like one of the most I mean, it happened before I was born. So it's been in reality the entire time I've been alive. And so that makes that like blows my mind that I always thought that they were it's you know and we're too busy doing other things making enough money to satisfy all our needs that we're not researching oh I wonder if gold if the dollar really is backed by gold you know who would think about that if we think about it but if we think that gold has value so um that may be there's a certain amount of subjectivity to that, that like we kind of all agree that gold is valuable, but there, you know, there's something in it that it's beautiful. It can be molded into amazing things. It's been valued through history, you know, for ancients, like since ancient times, gold has held value. So there's something almost objective in it, that it almost is just valuable. Um, so it kind of sits along that line. But when they create something that is just paper and they're saying, okay, we, this we're going to stamp it and then tell you that this is valuable like if we really understood that we'd be like well it's not though it's it like that is totally subjective like you are literally picking up a piece of paper you are stamping it with some ink and you are saying this mm -hmm. piece of paper is worth fifty dollars or a hundred dollars or however much that you're allocating it that yeah that's all that it is it's just a piece of paper and so that's what's so interesting about it. And I think so that's why it's such, I think it's such deliberate suppression of kind of bringing it into mainstream consciousness. And all we would, all that would need to have been done was to have that taught and it's not. So it has, it, it is deliberate in that sense um, because the thing that we use most in our life that is so interlinked to our survival, we don't even know what it is. A totally subjective um, which basically means when I'm saying subjective, it's basically like we all agree that something that isn't valuable is valuable. We can see like that it's not, but we're all kind of agreeing that it is. It's a kind of, it's a belief system. So we have that dollar bill and we all we, like, so basically we have a piece of paper, we print stuff on it and we go, let's all agree that that holds value, shall we? Do we all agree that that holds a dollar? Like that is worth a dollar? Um, and we all have, we've all agreed. So it's a completely subjective thing. And what it means is that because it's not backed by gold, the government can issue essentially as much of it as they want. They can just print it. And what that does is firstly, it gets rid of that scarcity piece that um, Aristotle was talking about. Like it's no longer rare. Um, and that is where it can start to lead to, there's two things that it can lead to. One is hyperinflation or inflation and then hyperinflation where there's just so much money being printed. And the other is that being, oh, and the other is kind of being closest to the, um, 
to the money printer affords people more money. So if you're kind of near where the money is being printed, you you are able basically to maximize your own wealth. And so it's a really corruptible form of money. So there are loads of issues around fiat. But... And so basically like our whole money monetary system our whole sense of value is basically defined by our governments and there are so many examples of government currencies fiat currencies so fiat a fiat currency is one that's not backed by a commodity uh, so there's many examples of these fiat currencies basically falling apart getting destroyed um like i've got a little list of like the venezuelan bolivar Bolivar, the Zimbabwean dollar, the Argentinian peso. Um, but there's so many examples where um, a nation's currency basically just, a fiat currency just basically falls. And the fear is that that is going to happen potentially to the dollar or that we're going to move into this state of hyperinflation because of the amount of money that has, of dollars that has been printed. And to this point, the dollar has sort of been protected because everything else is pegged to it. If a, if a single current country prints a lot of money, like what happened in Germany, they just print loads of paper money without backing. It creates hyperinflation and that currency is destroyed, basically. You, you basically can't get it back. So they went from, in Germany, went gold mark, paper mark, and then they basically threw out the paper mark and they created a new currency. So once it kind of goes to that hyperinflation, it's a sort of destroyed currency. Um, and you destroy the country at the same time. So that's happened kind of all over the world. It hasn't happened to America, even though they have been printing so much money because they are because they are the holders of the standard, like everything is pegged to the dollar. They have more leeway because rather than that money just getting circulated in one country and the inflation being seen in that country, they are doing it across the world. So the impact isn't seen unless it's extreme um and so what we're seeing now i think is the beginnings of what some people feel could be moving towards hyperinflation because of the amount of money of dollars that has been sort of pumped into the system yeah. hmm. oh. <laughs> so what are our alternatives <laughs> crypto bitcoin bitcoin <laughs> Bitcoin. <laughs> why? And why is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we go back to Aristotle? <laughs> Let's go back to so Aristotle Bitcoin, would be pro Bitcoin. Totally, he would be, he would be so pro Bitcoin. Um, I'll I'll test you. So, is Bitcoin divisible? Yes. Into what? What are the like individual? Into uh, I think they call it satoshis. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Because you can send now, like over the Lightning Network, you can send micro payments. So tiny, tiny. Yeah. Micro. Is that new about sending micro payments, or was that no. always part of an option with uh, Bitcoin? Well, you could always. Uh, it depends. So you could always have done it if the wallet allowed you to. But because ah, okay. sometimes it like does it in dollars, um, but it's also there are fees. So if you were going to send a micropayment, 
you would pay more in fees, so you probably wouldn't do it. Whereas over the Lightning Network, it can be so cheap that you can afford to send it. Oh, yeah. now I get, I wasn't quite sure. I wasn't absorbing what Lightning, the, the power of Lightning Network is, was. Mm. Now I understand. Thank you. We could do one yeah. on the Lightning Network, have a little chat yeah. on that too, because that's really cool. Um, okay, two of Aristotle's four, four parts of a commodity. Uh, money, durable. Is it durable? Yes, it's durable. Um, how do I know this? Because it's, I don't know how I know this. It can't, it doesn't uh, get destroyed in a storm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's on the internet. The internet storm, a solar flare. <laughs> like, yes, a solar flare. No, but it's still there yeah. because you still have the ledger. Yeah. The ledger is always going to store it, even if the internet goes down. Mm. The ledger keeps that, the keeps it intact. Mm -hmm. All the bitcoins that have ever moved around and been sold or bought, that's going to always stay intact. Exactly. Yeah. So did I answer correctly or what? How yeah. would you? <laughs> no, I would do the exact same thing. Yeah, exactly. It's all, it's all on the ledger. So in terms of durability, like it exists, it exists on this ledger. So, and the ledger is incorruptible and, um, I mean, couldn't be destroyed, um, because it's distributed all over the world in terms of the durability, I guess that's much more about, yeah, just the ledger. Um, it's a secure network and it's protected by cryptography, which is why it's so secure. So yeah. Um, three, portable. Is it portable? Oh, yes. It's, you don't even have to like, it, it just exists on, on the ledger. So I can hop over to Germany wallet. I, I have to access my wallet. Yeah. And in terms of being able to send it, you know, like we can, in terms of it being portable, like we don't necessarily have to carry it with us anymore. Like, you know, we right. all use a card um, or we all use internet banking or PayPal. Like we don't really carry that much money physically with us anymore. So, but in terms of um, it being portable, what we need the portability for is to basically give it to someone who's far away. And we can do that across the internet. Across a computer system we can send money to you know someone in Yugoslavia or someone in New Zealand um yeah. but like you say if I move to a different country I can just access it straight away again so you kind of always have access to it um yeah. so in that sense it's portable and is it scarce yes there How will only ever be let me see if I get this right 21 million bitcoins ever created and that's it and that's part of sort of that computer program or that's sort of the essence of the bitcoin blockchain yeah so yeah. yes so it is definitely I, I mean it's way more scarce than gold could ever be there's always like these new sources of gold that people are finding yeah. um harder to mine but it's it's not you can't guarantee that the gold is scarce in the sense of the way bitcoin is scarce yeah well because you don't also know how much of it there is like it's a bit like oil you know they were saying oh oil is really scarce right. like this was about maybe 10 years ago five ten years ago they were like oh we're gonna have an oil crisis where we're gonna run out and then they found all of these additional reserves and they were like oh no no we're never gonna run out 
So, you know, the same could happen with gold. And actually, I think it was a planet they discovered. They found like a planet that in another solar system that could be fully of gold. Um, but still, you know, you're mining it out of the earth. You're having to physically take it out of the earth where it is in order to then distribute it around the world when you just don't need to do that bit. You know, you can leave this beautiful earth intact. <laughs> yes. Uh, put it nice. back. Um, but yes, it is scarce. And how much has been mined so far of Bitcoin? Do you remember? Mm. Of that 21 million. Oh, I'm going to fail this question. <laughs> oh. I don't know, I, but a lot. I think like at least 75%. More. I think it's 90. <laughs> How much? I think we're at 94%. It's uh, 19 94%. million. Okay. 19 million has been mined of the 21 million. Wow. So there's only 2 million left to mine. And over time, it just, it, you know, it gets the amount that yeah. you get mined like tapers off. Um, So I think 90 so that 98.5% or 99% will have all been mined by 2045. That's okay. soon. So, yeah. Um, but the majority, the greatest majority is already out there. Wow. I knew it was more than 50%, but I didn't realize how close we were. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's high. That's exciting. It is. That's why I'm happy to keep hold of my Bitcoin. <laughs> all right. Keep buying below. <laughs> um so do we have anything more to add to the end no I don't think so I think we covered yeah because we talked all about fiat and then we offered bitcoin as sort of the alternative the best alternative that I think humanity has yeah. so I mean it's either the two alternatives are either gold or bitcoin and there are lots of examples of why gold is inferior to bitcoin and part of that is like what we've talked about like having to like cart you know piles of gold around the world if you want to move it and it can be stolen and um you have to take it out of the earth um there's like it's it's and how do you get it to somebody like if i want to pay you 15 dollars, am i going to send you 15 dollars in gold like in this modern world gold just doesn't hold up so you yeah. literally the alternatives to fiat, there is only gold and Bitcoin in terms of value. And gold is just not feasible in our modern society to use as money. So the only thing that is perfect for use in modern society is Bitcoin. Yeah. I mean, I think the only thing right now that's holding it back is just it being accepted globally as the medium of exchange. Mm -hmm be a glow it's going to be globally accepted mm -hmm. and it's just a matter of i think it trickling down i don't know if that's the right word but or phrase so that we're all using it my mm -hmm. neighbors are using it mm -hmm. the grocery store down the block is using it um, if people actually understood what we have everybody would automatically choose bitcoin but really the education yeah. piece is you already have something that you use every day that is totally subjective, that you just have agreed with your government that it holds value. Whereas, and you're only doing that with your own government and you're trusting the people who are printing it. You're trusting mm. these people who actually could be totally incompetent. Um, and often they, they have been, or they are corrupt. And so you're allowing in a way this really corrupt system to exist. 
I'm sold. <laughs> I'm sold. <laughs> I should go buy a bit more Bitcoin <laughs> every time we have a conversation. Right. Like, okay, I gotta I go. I gotta have go. enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, alrighty. Well, I have no idea what we're going to talk about next time, but I'm excited for it. Um, and I hope yeah. everyone watching has enjoyed our little crypto conversation. Um, yeah, we have fun. We we always have fun t- um, talking crypto and. The more people that are part of this conversation, the better. Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks, Anya. See you soon. Until next time. <laughs>